This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 42. Man, let's get it. Well, boys, how are we doing? Tyler, how's your, how's your evening going so far, my friend? Doing good, doing good. Uh, getting real close to Thanksgiving. You know what that means? I'm going to try to live out my best Food Wars impression this year and, uh, you know, have some fun with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. I hope, Hopefully uh, all the family's close <laughs> stay on, though. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, you've got to... You've got an interesting Thanksgiving spread if you're getting food warsy with it, because that's all like Japanese food we've been like drooling over. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It, the thing about it is, it doesn't have to be you know Japanese food. It just has to be food that literally makes you feel orgasmic, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And they did cook a French dish. That beef bourguignon yeah. was French, so it doesn't have to be French. You're right. You're right. <laughs> How you doing this evening, Dan? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just sipping a little chamomile tea, vibing. Ooh, I love that. I, I wanted to make some tea, but I did not have time this evening. Awesome, oh. boys. So we ready to get into it? Yeah. Let's do it. So we're going to start with Undead Unluck, episode seven. The episode is called Dream. The team of Andy, Shen, and Fuko are now fighting Spoil directly and are getting zombies involved in a pretty surprising way. We also learn of what happened to the town of Longing and how to fight against the timers that basically turn humans into zombies. So the episode starts off with Fuko getting an explanation of what happened to the town when Spoil showed up. Uh, one of the kids who was hiding in that tunnel is basically telling her what went down. And Spoil just like peered in the sky and spread his spoil ability, his UMA ability. And the teacher of the kid, the bride Andy's was. So that was really cool. Like the minute I saw the teacher, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. And uh, she basically hid the kids in this underground passage, said, hey, there's food down here. It's basically like a bunker. Stay the fuck in here. And, like, what did you guys think about Spoil's original form compared to what he is now? Um, I didn't really under, like, this is kind of new to us, you know what I mean? So, um, but as the episode goes, I guess it kind of made sense. But at first, I didn't really understand why he appeared like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, as the as episode goes on, it seems like he... Um, changes his form based on what he absorbs, I guess, kind of. Yeah, I was kind of confused when I first saw it. I was like, how did this little basketball-sized thing become a titan? <laughs> and the right. answer, you guys will find the answer out in the bullshit hour on Thursday. There's, there's science behind this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm your specialist in titan transformations, guys. Uh, so be sure to pay attention. 
but yeah, I, I I thought he was just on some freezer shit with all his forms. Um, I definitely thought at least the like the first transformation from the basketball, he was just like he had to like spread his power in order to get stronger, you know. Yeah, I figured that by turning people into zombies, he gained more power. And we come to find out what happens a little later in the episode. Yes, it was a two-part plan, and he executed very well. So after that, one of the kids is like, it's a little girl, and she's basically freaking out about like this whole scenario. And we see her number just plummet, the little the timer she has. And Ken, who is the kid in the baseball uniform, cheers her up, reminds her what her dream is. And her dream is to open a flower shop, shop where she sells sunflowers. Fitting for the school they went to, the Sunflower Academy or whatever it was. <laughs> and Makes sense we, to me. Yeah. We see like her timer go from like milliseconds away from hitting zero to just 20 grand like in, in an instant. So we figure out how to fight against spoil. And it's the power of dreams, baby. This is getting so corny. This is not what I wanted from Undead Unlock, but this is what we're getting. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool um, because, they, I mean, there would have to be a way that you can fight fight back against that. It's just so definite. Um, and there's really nothing physically you can do. So I'm glad they introduced that. Uh, maybe not dreams or something like that. Maybe resolve or something a little less corny. But I, I liked it overall. Bro, your dreams are going to make your dreams not turn into a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, it checks out. Uh, I, I, I think it will... Go ahead, Tyler. No, no, I was going to say, but uh, if the thing that I didn't understand about this, then why did the why did the teacher turn into the zombie? Right? Because she, she was very holdfast on her dream <laughs> of, you know, marrying someone. Maybe, like, maybe it affects... A, well, I, I was going to say maybe it affects adults different, but we see that it doesn't. It It's the same... It does the same thing for uh, uh, Fuko and them. So, yeah, I will say though, while the teacher was zombified, she kept her her brain. I guess like she was still kind of there. Yeah, she she kept her personality at least. So she had some resolve in there. Instead of being a feisty teacher, she just groaned. <laughs> so that teacher was bad, dude. She was she was something else. What's up? Hey, she's smart too. You know. Able to get them kids to safety. Definitely. So after that, we get back to the fight with Andy and the zombies versus Spoil. And one of the zombies actually bumps into Fuko and they realize that they can like take advantage of her unluckability. So Andy goes and tells all these zombies to basically just run to Fuko, get jacked up on that unlock, and then just go rain hell. If, who who knew what was going to happen, you know? I mean, that's what zombies do. And the first zombie to actually grab onto Fuko was the zombified teacher. And I never thought, like, I could feel, like, so emotionally attached to a rotting bag of skin flesh. But here we are. That you just met. <laughs> yeah, that teacher's a badass. She deserves all the praise, dude. For sure. It was really cool. Like, as she's, like, running to her death, uh, she's imagining herself running through like a field of sunflowers. It was very emotionally charged. And like you, we've gotten to this a few times out of this show with like Gina a few episodes ago. And now with this, like you're never expecting it when it happens. Which is huh. cool. Cause like, I mean, Dan, I think you picked this because it was just like 
a very fun, hype-looking anime, but it's giving us some layers, bro. Yeah, no, this is picked for exploding blood legs. Yeah. <laughs> Exclusively. He, and he said it every time we talked about it. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was fucking badass. <laughs> and we got to see a lot of exploding blood in this episode, too. I mean, Andy was going crazy with those crimson moon techniques of the sword, man. For sure. Do you like the direction the show has gone? Yeah, I do. You know, like, it's still really fun, but they're adding, like you said, a deeper layer to it. And I think it contrasts the comedy and the ridiculousness really well while still grounding it to something more meaningful than just man from 1865 groping 17-year-old and then trying to kill himself, you know? Very she's true. Not 17 is she? She's 18, right? Oh, sorry, 18, whatever. 18, 18 yeah. <laughs> Somebody's what? got sense. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> That is better, you know, just, you know, a little. It's a lot better. Yeah. (laughs) It's much better. (laughs) But yeah, so after um, the teacher basically sacrifices herself, all the other zombies start running and Fuko just starts like slapping them. She's like hitting as many as she can as they're running by her. She looks like a wacky waving inflatable arm guy. (laughs) And she's just smacking all these zombies and they're just like exploding, like literal, like crates of tnt are just flying out of buildings <laughs> that spoil so now we're back to the ridiculousness that is undead unlock it flips the switch on you so fast oh 100 it, it's almost jarring but i i enjoy that part of it i'm surprised that we didn't get like more of a variety of uh unluck you know we you know we got we got all the same basically for them zombies you know what I was like half expecting? The unluck was them being killed by Spoil. Hmm. I was that thinking that's what was going to happen. Oh, it would have been, but I, I thought I also <laughs> thought it would be very, very funny. <laughs> yeah, so through this, they do a lot of damage to Spoil. Spoil's looking pretty down bad. But being as ridiculous as this show is, he's going to pull a little Frieza, and he's going to go to his next form, and uh, Spoil's kind of a badass now. He's kind of terrifying. Yeah, bro's really got is. wings and a stretchy, stretchy neck. He's like talking and shit now. Yeah, it was weird. Oh, dude, the neck was gnarly. He looked like, like a slime coming out of like a body. It was weird. You know who it reminded me of? Orochimaru, bro. He the did have that form. snake. Yeah, he did have that serpent neck going on. Yeah, I sure. instantly thought of that shit. Um, one thing I noticed that I, I didn't think spoil was like too conscious about like how he was acting like yes he was fighting but he didn't seem like he had any smarts until he transformed and then he started talking about the negators you know oh there's three of you you must be on a quest and then he mentioned oh damn it apocalypse getting in my way like were y'all surprised by that too like that he he knew what the quests are and like the whole setup of them having to go on them i mean is isn't the isn't his um um top of uh umas or whatever aren't they mm-hmm. uh made from apocalypse kind of right they're no. made from apocalypse's boss god where is what yeah, we're gonna well, call them yeah they're, they're results of failing quests and like the whole thing comes from apocalypse and the higher beings right 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 so it would make sense for them to kind of know what's going on there right that's that's the way I looked at it. 
Well, I just didn't think that God would like give them the whole fucking debrief on like what's going on in the world. I thought it was more like, okay, I'm just going to throw this rule into the world and let it wreak havoc. I thought it was more yeah. of that kind of vibe. You would think so, but uh, I it doesn't seem I I don't know because we haven't really seen a lot of UMAs, right? So we don't yeah. really know. I was yeah. just very surprised. So. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's kind of like as weird as it sounds, so like Death Note, where all the UMAs are basically hanging up there and. <laughs> heaven or hell or wherever they are <laughs> and they're just kind of shooting the shit vibing with god they're just vibing and then and then the creator be all powerful beings like hey yo spoil get down there your turn to have some fun <laughs> hey yo you in the back <laughs> and then this little basketball just bounces off the higher plate and just falls to earth and starts spoiling shit up you know like that's I, a great this show it's plausible that could be what happens with this show it's so ridiculous yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this works because God giving debriefing them on the situation on the ground is fucking wild to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining Spoil sitting in a chair and like a five star military general debriefing him, and he's just got a big white beard like we think God does. <laughs> please, please let that be true. <laughs> I can write an anime. Don't worry about it. I believe you. Well, so, I highly doubt that we're going to get to see God in this first season, so. Yeah, I would doubt it. I think we've got a lot. We've already got a lot in the in the stakes, I guess, already. It'd be kind of crazy to introduce the all-knowing big baddie in 12 episodes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot. We'd have a, a very far way to go from right now. Well, especially since we only have five episodes left in this season, so, like... What are you going to do? Just sprint to the final destination? Like, nobody wants that. This show's so fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just enjoy the ride. We're on episode seven, and I still feel like we're just, like, getting our feet wet. Oh, definitely. As far as, like, the first season goes. Well, you guys want to get back to uh, the actual episode? The show. (laughs) So, after that, Spoil, Spoil can talk now, like we said, and... He says to Andy that before then, nothing would change and everything remains stagnant. And him basically bringing death to the world caused humans to fight, think, and grow. And it doesn't understand why humans, their bodies last less than 100 years anyways. And I thought this was like, like honestly, really like profound, like thinking about it that way. Because I was like, oh, he turns people into zombies. But if he's really like the embodiment of decay, I mean, that's just coming full circle. Like he said, you know, that like really kind of like threw me off. I did not expect it to get that deep. Nah, me either. Like he he was spitting and like in the middle of this, all this chaos, he was like, yeah, you guys need me. I'm so necessary. Um, So I wonder if they, I still wonder if they're going to like actually kill him or, or capture him. But I want to, I want to know what the world would be like without spoil now. It just seems it would be so weird without, you know, decay or spoiling or whatever you want to call it. I would spend so much less money on groceries. <laughs> Imagine if that bag of like spinach you buy every week thinking you're going to be a good person and eat didn't go bad. <laughs> it was just there. That'd be very nice. It'd be very nice. What'd you think about it, Tyler? Uh, you've been quiet over there. I'm not sure what to think about it because. I feel like there's a there's like a different um like there's him, you know, 
obviously uh, the embodiment embodiment of uh, Sporio or whatever. But I feel like if he was to be killed, that there would still be Sporio, just not because there was Sporio before he came down, right? It just wasn't on that level. So, you know what well, I mean? The the coming down thing that is that is my head cannon. I think Sporio's always been there, but like he kind of like gained power. And got to the point where Apocalypse, like, r- realized he was a threat. You know, like, I mean, all of these things that we're going to see, I feel like, already exist in the world. I mean, they said one of the UMAs that'll appear if they don't complete these challenges is Galaxy, I think it was. Yes, sir. And, like, they already live in a galaxy. But if the but, galaxy becomes sentient and starts hucking meteorites and shit, like, you're going to have a bad time. But I feel like I feel like if they kill them or get rid of the embodiment of the of them, then they will still continue to exist, just be like they was before, you know, until the re- cycle begins again because it's a never-ending cycle, right? So I'd be curious though because there is a catch, don't kill order. So, like, what if they do kill him? Is that going to throw like the world into chaos? Because nobody is going to decay and die. Like, they're just going to stay young forever. So there's, like, a lot of things we don't know. That's why I want to see what the results are. Like, if if they actually end up killing this thing, it could be more harm than good in the long run. It's interesting, so. um, It's way more profound than I ever thought this shit was going to get. That's for sure. (laughs) Holy shit, that's for sure. But so after all of that, Fuko during this says that humans fight because they have dreams and she wants to be a normal girl so she can just live a normal, better life. And then her timer goes up. So we see again that chasing your dream makes you not spoil into a zombie. And then Shen follows this up with some badass. He's like before this, he's like, hey, be right back. And He just bolts out of there and he comes back with this giant staff thing. And he says his goal is to be like the dev- like the greatest creation of all time. And we just see his timer go through the roof. So Shen, I'm curious to see where they go with him because he might be a fucking problem. Yeah. Dude obviously takes care of himself and fight really well. And again, like his goal is nuts. Like to be the best living being. That's very, very lofty. And like what yeah. in what way does he mean that? Like just overall. Or, you know, in one specific category, a few specific categories. I want to see where Shin goes to. Little Eisen thing going on there, you know? Like, <laughs> I want to be the perfect being. It's like, oh shit, we've seen this in anime multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> this and never always, ends well. They're always a bad guy. <laughs> and that also means that, like, he's kind of their, uh, Andy and Vuko's biggest rivals, right? Because um, they want to be number one on the council. So it's interesting. Yeah, man, I'm really excited to see where this show goes. It's been a whirlwind and now we're starting to get a little deeper with it. And I've been a huge fan. Me too, man. Me too. Awesome. Tyler, you want to get us into some elf elf shenanigans? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Furin episode 11, winter in the northern lands. Uh, Furin and her team have beaten Aura and her minions and are praised by Graf and all the townspeople. And they stumble across an unlikely new friend. And basically, this episode starts with the sun rising and Furin praying over Aura's defeated army. And 
we haven't really seen a lot of uh, Freer and uh, showing like religious uh, aspects of her life. Did do you think that she's kind of religious and just been hiding it? I don't think so, but I, I definitely it definitely caught me off. That's why it caught me off guard that she was like praying over these like I guess I'm gonna call them fallen soldiers because um, these were once people uh, that Aura took over. But I don't know if she picked that up from um, somebody else that was in her original uh, hero group. Yeah, I just did not take her for the religious type at all. Yeah, and it could even just be like saying goodbye to fallen soldiers or something. And like, I don't know. I like I just don't see her as the praying type. I mean, she's lived for a thousand years. She's, she's probably seen the rise of multiple religions like. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> crazy to think. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean shit man how many religions are going to come up in a thousand years you know it's going to be a few they're going to be worshiping all sorts of shit trees the sun the moon <laughs> god i don't know so yeah I, i'm sure she's she's seen some shit you know i think i think this is uh kind of showing that she's changed a little bit uh over what we've seen her uh it's like character development uh, cause I don't think she would have done this, you know, uh, before she met like, uh, Fern and them, you know, um, even like during the heroes party, she wouldn't have done it. So she's grown a lot to come this far to like pay her respects or, you know, pray or whatever she was doing over them fallen soldiers. So true, true. And, and during this scene, Freeran, uh, kind of revealed to her team Starkin fern that like you know she quit using flashy spells due to him getting mad and stark said he would have been pretty mad too about it if she would have done that um do you guys kind of understand why he would have been so angry i think himmel was the kind of guy who liked the spotlight <laughs> <laughs> and freeing out there shooting lightning bolts and shit would probably piss him off you know like he ha- kind of had that attitude like he's the leader i'm number one but Freerun's really the one out there sweeping everything up and doing the damage, you know? That's fair. That's fair. But but seriously, I think it's because, you know, maybe they had a, had a conversation about what uh, Flame had said to her about, like, staying hidden until you defeat the Demon King. And maybe he didn't want her using, like, crazy-ass magic because that would draw attention to her. But at this point, the Demon King is dead, or so we think. So, like, let it rain lightning, Freerun. We want to see some shit. Come on, let's Dude, do it. I'm trying to see Freerun on demon timing. You That's know what, what I'm saying? That's what saying, bro. Like, let's <laughs> see some shit. Yeah. It, then we get into Graf. Uh, he actually granted Freerun's wish to have the Grimoire of Flame, which is fake because everything that we've seen about uh, all the Grimoires that's left in history has been fake. Um, but she says it's her hobby to collect them. Uh, do you think that's actually the real reason she's doing collecting all the fake, uh, like left, uh, stuff of Flame? So, first off, I just want to really appreciate how me and Bass were talking about raining lightning bolts of hell, and Tyler just shook his head and said, I'm not dealing with this right now. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> he was like, I don't got time for this, boys. You but, ain't uh, slick. We saw that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so my reasoning for Freerun wanting all of Flame's grimoires is that she doesn't want her master's legacy to be tainted by a bunch of frauds. So she's collecting them books up to protect the good name of Sensei Flame, dude. Dude, I hmm. thought the same exact thing. Yeah. She calls it a hobby, but she's like, yeah, this is bullshit. Like, let me, let me collect these motherfuckers and burn them. <laughs> I mean, her name is Flame, dude. That's flame. Facts. Uh, is it really, though? Like, I, I wonder what it actually is. It's interesting. It's flame with an extra M, dude. <laughs> did, you, did y'all know? Did y'all know? I just learned this the other day, but Freerin is actually like a German word that means freezing or cold. Yeah, and that an icy hearted bitch and, and, and flamen flamen flame is fr- is flame in german <laughs> so this is this is wild because they're actually using like german like uh language to like like that really fits uh that really fits freerin you know she's like a code she's uh you know uh her personality is like very uh you know cold, cold so yeah frigid but, I enjoy that. Um, I just learned that not too long ago, a couple days ago. Wow, man. People in literature using other languages to name their people is a tale as old as time, dude. Come on, Tyler. Read a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we didn't know that. We just learned that, you know, Sase no Freerun meant Freerun the Slayer, kind of. So it's just interesting. So. You know, to be the devil's advocate here is, uh, I, I didn't know Flame was Flame though. <laughs> <laughs> Did and, you just come back from Germany or something, bro? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have never been to Germany, and that one was pretty easy to take a stab at. <laughs> you never know, my man. I'm not a German expert, so <laughs> we'll let it slide this time. But yeah, I guess we get on to. Uh, our heroes are now helping rebuild the castle and they all get a warm welcome by the townspeople. And at the end of this montage, we see the funeral of Aura's army with respects being paid to all the fallen soldiers. And, uh, did y'all get a little bit like sad by this, seeing this graph and all of them? No, no, uh, it was, it was somber. But I, I can't say I was, I was sad. Also, I, mm. like I was getting mad, uh, Nelson M- Mandela vibes from Freerin here. She was just locked up. Now she's being praised by the people you know I'm <laughs> saying as, as a hero. So shout out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to shake my head and let's go to the next time. <laughs> okay. This is central. You know, we learned that uh, mages must be registered, and Freerun actually isn't, apparently. Uh, so, you know, they got to get Freerun registered now because they learned that um, they can't really advance very far north without having a first-class mage with them. And we also learned that Fern is a third-class mage, so obviously she can't be the one that uh, kind of holds the responsibility of protecting the group or whatever. Um but it's funny that Freerun has a, like a, um, I don't know, like a necklace or like a... An antique is what they called it. Yeah. Something showing that she was a first class mage at one point in time. We don't know how long ago, really. Um, so uh, that was a pretty funny moment. 
Um, do do y'all think that Bruin's gonna be? Wh- what do you think she's gonna be classified as? I think they're gonna I, play her. I think that the Magica Association is gonna play her ass and put her in, in second class. I'm think gonna so? be. I'm really hoping for like a one punch man ass thing here, where like the pupil <laughs> is much higher rated than the master. Because I think that'd be so funny. But what I think is going to happen is there's going to be this old, crusty, fart wizard mage guy. And she's going to pull out that amulet. And he's going to be like, we haven't had those for 700 years. You're God. And then they're just going to go. I mean, like, I feel like if you walk into a town and you just point the statue and say, dog, that's me. Like, I'm gonna stop you. <laughs> Yo, dog, that's me right there. I'm in stone. Who are you? Um, Legit? Question mark? Yeah, like, bro, I'm in, in I'm immortalized in brass right here. Like you got the gall to talk to me? Check yourself. No, I really hope they do try to play her though. That would be hilarious. It'd be um, so funny. My favorite part of like this whole part, like where they're talking about her not being certified as a mage anymore. Is that she's like, I don't really care because they're ch- always changing their fucking rules every couple hundred years. And to most beings, that's a few lifetimes, several or something. <laughs> I thought it was and, funny. Oh, go for it. And and I was just getting like, I don't know if you guys know any like craftsmen or like, I, I, I guess like construction people, older construction people. And they're always like, you know, fuck, fuck the code, building code. Like I've been doing it this way for 30 years. <laughs> And it just gave me like the same vibes, man. I just loved it when Stark was like, even I know about the Magical Council, whatever their name is. Like, they've been doing this for 50 years. And I'm just sitting there in my head. I'm like, that's like two weeks for free rent. Like, yeah, that's like a trip a, to the bathroom and back. Like, what? It's, a, it's bad in the eye. Like, I can't blame her for not wanting to keep up with that shit. Fuck paperwork. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I I mean, don't like bureaucracy. Go, sorry. 50 years, you know, that's uh, that's like a 20 since him was dead, been dead, right? At least, yeah, that's a 20th of her lifetime. Like, that's like me being one and a half to 30. Like, it's ridiculous, you know? Yeah, um, but then uh, we move on to the next bit of this episode, and uh, we actually get uh, get going in the snow um they get so far north i guess it's starting to snow and they kind of get lost and um a little bit and because of the storm and stark ends up passing out which is kind of surprising i thought he was a tougher like i guess body uh you know what i mean so it's interesting to see him passing out first just because of the cold um but they were saying that it's too windy to carry Stark by magic. Uh, did this kind of surprise you that um, it, the magic is kind of limited in this way? Yeah, 100%. Like, isn't a Furman supposed to be, like, that bitch? Like, and it gets a little too gusty for her to, like, levitate? That's yeah, wild. But Freerin ain't going to be doing this. This is on Fern. This is, this is you know, second-tier mage work right here. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> And I just wish they tried to pick him up because I just want to see like Stark's lifeless body just flapping in the wind because that would have been <laughs> so funny. That's what I thought we were about to get. <laughs> it would have been so funny, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Dan on this. Uh, I, I think the Freeran could have done it, but she's not going to do it. She's like, this work is beneath me, bro. I'm a hero. 
<laughs> You've seen those bronze statues? I don't carry weak men. <laughs> Oof. I, I think we even get a scene like uh, water going uh, and, and Fern's just like, he's heavy. He's heavier than I thought he would be. And it was, uh, something like that. And Freeman's just like, you can do it, or uh, Gumbre, or something like that. It was funny. I I, I laughed. Hit I the laughed. weights, turn. <laughs> <laughs> but then we get into something interesting. The gang actually uh, stumbles onto a cabin um, that's uh, like a safe house or whatever for situations like this that Freeman knows about, and they actually find another elf. Um, shout out Dan. I think he called this last episode. So, um, his name is Kraft the Monk, and he says it's been 300 years since he's seen another elf. Both Kraft and, you know, Freeran have thought all the elves died, you know, kind of like I did. So, um, it's interesting to see another elf, but seriously though, I think those might be two of the last ones though. <laughs> nah, we're going to meet more elves. You think so? You, you can't talk about it as much as they have. And just have this squatting dude be like the best elf we meet. Like we gotta meet a badass elf. Preferably this... a bad elf, I think would be great. Like a rival. Hmm. That'd be cool as fuck. I think they're gonna like stumble into a whole town of elves at some point. It's just them like hiding somewhere. because uh, they just say it too much. Like Dan's saying, like uh the beginning of 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 this uh season, they were like, Yeah. Fear was like, Yeah, you know, elves, we have a problem like keeping our population up because we don't we don't like to procreate. We, we really don't be going out of our way to do that shit, uh, which is sad. I hate that for them. But uh, and now we found one more. I think there's going to be some more. But I was surprised that Kraft and Freeman both thought that the elves had, elves had died out and they were the last ones. You know what I was kind of surprised at was the fact that Kraft wasn't a magic user. Like I figured elves would be. He was just ripped as fuck. I like to think he he has some ability to use magic. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just I'm just like being like honest about it because like he's old as fuck. Like he, you know, yeah. he ain't have a couple hundred years just to like fuck around somewhere doing something. That's why he's so chiseled. He's been squatting <laughs> like that for 500 years, bro. <laughs> well, he was he was squatting like that to stay alive, bro. To bro, stay that man was yoked. Don't even yeah. joke. Tyler, that was an excuse. He, he does that shit for fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, going off of what Bass said, um, as far as uh, magical, you think if he would have had any kind of magical ability or, at all, he would have been able to start a fire for himself, though. You know, that's very basic magic, I, I feel like. So. That's fair. That's fair. You figure but, he could have rubbed two sticks together, those massive packs, and got a fire going, too, right? <laughs> How many years is he alive? Come on now. You don't know how to start a fire, bro? Yeah, that's weak <laughs> as hell, actually. I, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the party, I was going to move on. But uh, the party is forced to stay at the cabin for six more months. Um, we see this often. Uh, them staying at, uh, longer at places. And they're surviving on craft supplies. Um but as the heroes get ready to leave during the spring, uh, after it clears up, they give uh, Kraft gives Fur and a pendant for Fern. Um, then uh, they kind of talk about the religion, the goddesses of creation. Uh, they don't really, Fur doesn't really believe in her because she 
hasn't shown herself before in all her years being alive. But Kraft, on the other hand, is a very strong believer since he's older and everyone who knows of him has kind of died. So he's kind of, I guess, forgotten in a way. Um, Were you kind of surprised to hear Kraft say Freeran is much younger than him? And do you think that's true? And how much like younger do you think it actually is? This is where I'm like getting a little confused about how long these goddamn elves live. Uh, <laughs> because three, five thousand years. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm starting to think. Yeah, like five, six. Because like him to say Furin is much younger. That's that's uh, that's at least a thousand right there. Because like the the elves think a hundred, two hundred years is nothing. Three hundred years is nothing. So if they were that close, he would be like, "Oh, you're the same age as me." Um, so yeah, I think you know Fern, uh, Freeran says she's over a thousand years old. We'll call it twelve hundred. He's probably at least two thousand years old. So I want to touch on something we skipped really quick because I've been shipping Fern and Stark this entire time, okay. and I think Stark might uh, swing the other way because he wakes <laughs> up cuddled against Craft uh, the Monk, and Craft is shirtless, warming him up with his body heat. And he looks over and just like slowly closes his eyes again and then goes, wait, I got to act macho here. Who the hell is this? <laughs> what and, the then fuck? He, and then there's another thing. He's like, damn, bro, you got a good body. And I'm like, OK, Stark, what you got going on here, buddy? <laughs> I think he was just trying to appreciate the work this man had done on his chiseled abs. <laughs> Twitter's going to, sorry, uh, Tumblr is going to have a field day with that one. Don't worry about it. Oof. Tyler, Tyler Oof. can update us. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm waking up in a random place in a bed with a man that looks like that, I'm gonna I'm gonna compliment him too because I'm probably fearing for my life at that moment. Damn, bro, you built dog. Hey, look at these washboard abs. I'm scared right now. Let's compliment this man, and maybe I can get out of my life. Maybe figure out the situation. <laughs> that is not where my head would go. I would panic. <laughs> That's I would where panic. you would die. I bro. mean, he did panic. He just had to wake up first, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he had it been was... a, he had been passed out for a while. I'm gonna give him a pass on this one. Yeah. It was so funny though. I was he... like, how do how do we skip over that scene? It was so funny. He hit him with a double take, bro. I love it. I was laughing so much. <laughs> All right, but now now we're back to God, right? <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this whole thing, and it's funny because Kraft kind of talked about why he's devote to the goddess, and Tyler kind of briefly mentioned it, but it's because everybody who has known his great feats, whatever the hell those are, is long forgotten. So his faith is the fact that God is always watching over him, or the goddess, and that when he ends up at those pearly gates, she be like, damn, bro, you did good dab him up and that's all he that's all he's looking for man like i was like i kind of respect that yeah that's fair and, I, and i'm sure he like wants all the people that he knows that are dead like want to be them meet them in a good place so i think like i mean you even see it with older people like they get lonely after you know people they know start dying you like you know so i think it's probably that as well and they i wouldn't would... say that in the anime i don't think no 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 he's not that <laughs> old he's only like three thousand years old like <laughs> Brother's seen civilizations rise and fall. He's seen Rome. I bet he thinks about Rome. <laughs> In, I think about Rome at least once a week. So, 
<laughs> but you know, speaking of speaking of all this, you know, religious talk and stuff like that. Um, here, you know, we actually get more flashbacks. Um, Freeran is kind of explaining to him that, um, you know, that she had someone like that. Hider, you know, once praised her, and uh, you know, after she told him stories, and she's like, I think that's good enough for me. Um. Uh, you know, I don't have to have the. I think that's where that's what she kind of hit on that she didn't have to have the goddess to tell her that because she had people that told her that in the past, right? Yes. Um. Yeah. Himmel's not Himmel, but uh, what is Heiter? Heiter said, "Yeah, I, I'll praise you. You know, since you, you know, I'll, tell me your story, and I, and I'll, I'll give you some props on it, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> imagine Heiter like pat her on the head, like, good job, kid, you did great.'" <laughs> You corrupt mate, uh, priest. <laughs> she was constantly calling him on that shit. Rightfully so, though. Yeah. I don't but I'm not sure, like, why they both offered this to her in, like, in, in the same manner. I don't know if that's part of, the, like, their religion or something like that. I wonder. It could be. It's kind of like when you have, like, devout religious people try and, like, convert you. You know, they, they buttered you up first. So maybe that's what they're going for. I don't think Hyder would be though. I don't think Hyder would. You know, he respected Freerun a lot. So, for sure, for sure. And we also don't know how close Freerun and Kraft got in that six months because we didn't really see it. You know, right, right. It's also, no Freerun, bro. Not uh, uh, Kawaii, no Freerun. <laughs> I only know okay. German, bro. That's like a cute no Freerun. Oh, okay, I see. Fur and the cutie. Uh, I'm <laughs> translating it right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the episode kind of ends with the monk and the heroes just partying it out. Um, Kraft says he'll see Furin again, maybe in a few centuries. Do y'all think they'll actually see each other again? I don't think we'll see it. Um, one thing I was kind of hoping that Kraft joined our merry gang of misfits here. Because he talked a lot about like wanting, not wanting to go to heaven, but he talked about the people who are, he's, you know, who have left before him and he feels forgotten. And I thought it would have been a really cool character arc for him to get to heaven where you can meet the dead and actually meet these people and see that they do remember him and all that kind of stuff. I thought that would have been a really cool story arc, but um, you ain't getting that, I guess. So unfortunate, but I, I wanted much of the same. Well, did they did they actually split up? Do, do, does anybody remember if they actually split up at the end? Yeah, yeah one's so north, one's going south. Basically, yep. I was going to say, you know, if they if they left it in suspension, then we could get it, you know. But I wasn't sure how it ended. I forgot. Yeah, that was actually the the last um, few moments of the this episode was them parting ways, and he okay. would he like casually says to Freeman, "I'm sure we'll meet again. I'll see you in a few centuries." Nuts. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, I guess we get on a Roni Kitchen, right? Yes, sir. Let's do it. So, guys, we have a Roni Kitchen episode twenty, Meiji Swordsman Romantic Story, Act Zero Part Uno. That's one for some of you boys. Um, <laughs> what a name! Yes, that's a mouthful. Um, I just, I just want to say before we start, as soon as I seen this name, I was like, bro, wait. We're getting some shit that I'm going to really, really like this episode. So, romantic story? Okay. okay. That's like the name of the anime. 
No, I mean, you know, but it says it in, you know, this romantic story, you know. So I was like, you know, we're actually going to get some heavy romance in this episode. You know what I mean? Nope. Kitchen don't fuck. Um, <laughs> but uh, in, in this episode, we, we kind of take a trip down memory lane as Kenshin, like recounts the story of him in Yokohama City, a port in Japan. Later in the episode, uh, we, we do meet some deviants trying to keep the poor people down and destitute. It's actually really sad to me. But this episode starts a little weird. I wasn't sure what was going on at first. Um, and Kenshin and the gang, Team Kenshin, are just sitting around the dojo drinking tea. And they're having such good tea that everybody's like, you know what? This is a really good moment. Kenshin, like, tell us a story, man. And he's, he surprisingly agrees. And this story starts off with Kenshin walking down the streets of Yokohama uh, City, a place where foreigners can trade and stay during their uh, time in Japan. It's like a designated city. And Kenshin nearly gets run over by a rickshaw driver. That's one of those human, uh, instead of a horse in a carriage, it's a human in a, in a small carriage, maybe one <laughs> or two people. <clears throat> we use bikes nowadays because we've come a long way as people. Um, but yeah, he nearly gets run over by the, the driver, Don Kishi. So then we see that Don Kishi was actually bringing a doctor, Dr. Elder, to a woman who has collapsed. And the first thing I noticed about Dr. Elder here was that crazy, like, what do you call that? Like plague. The, 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 plague the crow mask. plague mask. Yeah. Yeah. What did y'all think about that, bro? Well, I... I... You know, didn't didn't like doctors uh uh back then, like in older days, didn't they wear that kind of shit to like keep their like identity kind of um uh, uh hidden, right? Uh so good, then. I think the original use of them and the reason they call it a plague mask is because they'd like put a bunch of filter material in there in like the beak looking thing, so you weren't like sucking in the plague. Right? Yeah, but so the they would they would put like herbs and spices and like pieces of cloth in those beaks, and it would be like a respirator mask. But your mouth is not covered, right? Well, normally yeah, they are. Yeah, normally oh. this it's the whole it's the whole get up on your you know, on your entire face. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought it was some kind of like identity <clears throat> trying to just just trying to hide your identity. I guess you know. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. I was originally thinking it was one of those like respirator things, but the timeline doesn't match up. The plague was like in the early, um. Thousands is what it says. What I call it, the twelve hundreds medieval area, but this is this is more recent, eighteen hundreds. I enjoy history, but uh, you, you, I'm lost on it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I said like two years, bro. <laughs> um, so when Don Shiki uh, gets uh, gets to the the scene uh, where this woman has collapsed, he tries to take the woman for treatment uh, back to uh, Doctor Elder's. Uh, hotel room i should say and it's stopped by this devious son of a bitch dion ishuzu a doctor who says he can only help people who can pay for treatment because those are the only people that deserve it hey american healthcare, <laughs> we see you we see I, you i wasn't gonna say it <laughs> oh i'm here for the smoke started. dog I knew you. I, that's you. You have a vendetta against the medical system. I was letting you have. Hell that. yeah! <laughs> I was letting you have that, bro. As you should, bro. Yeah, this, this shit is weak as fuck over here. Hell yeah! <laughs> I went to Europe and told everybody that shit. 
<laughs> but back to back to back to <laughs> Roroni how many drinks, how many drinks did you get off that shit <laughs> <laughs> this brother needs another beer Moss Headless please um, that's a liter of beer for, for the folks at home <laughs> but uh, back, back to Roroni Kitchen uh, Dion says that the elder is trespassing in his area like you know you can only have one doctor for a city I guess and is making prices fall by treating people for free and threatens not to beat up the doctor because you'll get in trouble for hitting Westerners, but threatens to beat up the woman that he's trying to treat, which is terrible, bro. I was so taken aback by this. It was nuts. This man ain't a doctor, dude. He's, yeah, this man's a demon. Um, That that medical license is revoked. Yes, yes. (laughs) I, I guess he didn't have to take an oath like you do nowadays. Now that the doctors follow it, babe, I'm, I'm going to stop. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is when Kenshin kind of steps in and proceeds to get busy with, with Dion's uh, group of henchmen and kind of distracts them why Donkichi Don and Elder uh, get away for, for treatment for the woman. Then afterwards, Dr. Elder kind of invites Kenshin and Donkichi for tea. And we see a very suspicious man hold the door open for them. Kenshin noticed that he has a Westerner sword, and the man holding the door open notices that he has a katana. And he says to himself, oh, so this trip to Japan was not a waste. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Right. At this point <laughs> in the show, did you guys think he worked for, for Dion? Dion? Well, so... No, at this point, I didn't think he worked for them. I thought he was just like a, I mean, he had like a rapier looking sword. So I don't think he worked for him. I think he just came to, I thought he just came to Japan looking for, for that smoke, you know? That, that, that's actually pretty cool. That'd be cool as fuck. Yeah, that's the kind of vibes we got off of him, you know? So, uh, I mean, we, we obviously know there's something like villainous about him. Just by his eyes and the way he looks at Kenshin, so dude was no creepy. Lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had like those hollow gray eyes with like the bags under his eyes. Like, imagine pulling up to a whole country and just wanting to fight. <laughs> it's like fighting around the world. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, it sounds like another U.S. establishment we haven't talked about much on this <laughs> podcast, but uh, we'll leave that to another day. He's just trying to bring some freedom. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> So once they're sitting down having tea, the, the, the three uh, of them, Kenshin reveals that he can't really smell the tea. And the doctor says his mind's exhausted. And Kenshin seemed very surprised, like he hadn't thought about this before. And I was surprised that he had never thought about his, like, I guess his, his mind and body being connected in a way. Um, and it, it seemed pretty obvious that he, that he needed a rest. Did this also surprise you guys? Yeah, you know, the way I look at it is in so many forms of martial arts, that's like what you learn. You learn how to like, you learn that like mind, body, spirit trifecta, you know? So you figure in swordsmanship, they would kind of preach the same stuff. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I totally agree with that. Um, I took like Taekwondo for, for years as a kid. And the, the whole thing was like, still your mind so you can control your body well. Um, what do you do after you get, you know, kicked in the fucking head? Like you got to calm down and, and keep, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's important for gotta, like sparring and, and, and 
for your mental health, you know? Yeah, and that should definitely carry over to something much more dangerous, like swinging metal blades of death around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I, was, I was very taken aback that he was like, oh, maybe I do need a fucking rest. And, you know, no, no shit, my boy. Um, but then, you know, they decided to, as thanks, Don, Don Kishi was like, hey, let's go on a sightseeing tour of Yokohama. Yokohama. And let's go relax and then try to get your mind off like whatever you're doing uh, in your wandering ways. And then afterwards, after a long day sightseeing, Kenshin then goes to Dr. Elder's room to spend the night. They ain't trying to get busy. He just doesn't have a hotel room and there's no way for him to get one at, at what looks like 9 p.m. That's, that's hard even today. And then Kenshin remarks once they get inside that Dr. Elder got shorter. And then he says, and he kind of walks into a different room and say, oh, you're, you're a girl because she was changing. And then Dr. Elder made me absolutely laugh out loud. <laughs> so, you know, Westerners look shorter under, under a ceiling. You know, you didn't know that. And it's like, <laughs> also, we change gender sometimes. Like, bro, like, what do you want? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely laughed, too, like uh, more than a few times during this whole hotel scene. Oral? Yeah. Oral? <laughs> but, like, I was laughing because, like, how fucking dense do you have to be to not realize Dr. Elder was a chick? Like, the mask, bro. She mm -hmm. sounded like a lady. It's, it's Japan, bro. How many times have we been, we been fooled before? This is a Westerner, though. Yes. Yes. I don't know and, no better. But I really want to talk about the part of this episode that made me laugh the most. And it was the message from the guy at the front desk. Oh, hell yeah. the, the top tier English we got. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the first so time, right? In this anime. This anime is going to... No, no, no. With the guy in the, the ship uh, yeah. way back when with the oh, gallon yeah, gun. Well, yeah, yeah, with selling the gun. Yes. <laughs> he he hello! <laughs> I have message. I'm like, oh my god. Like... Wow. You guys speak English as a second language. Why are you just shitting on it so hard right now? And I was cracking up. They were... I, I'm sure they were like actually having fun with this shit, though. That, it was fun to me. I'm, I'm glad they did it. <laughs> I, uh, I kind of want to go back and watch this dubbed and see if they still do a <laughs> shitty English accent. If they know what they're doing, they will. <laughs> it was wild. I, I wonder if they do it for like comedic reasons. Uh, like that accent. Bro, it's fucking disrespectful and I love it. <laughs> a thousand percent they do it for comedic uh, relief. I, I really think it is. Um, because some of some of those people can speak pretty good English. Like I just hung out with like three Chinese people um when I was in Germany for like two weeks. And like I could understand them. Like they spoke really good English. So like I'm sure at this studio, between all the voice actors, there's people that can speak really good English. So this is definitely for comedic relief. Yeah, I've met plenty of Japanese people from Japan and they speak better English than half of America. So like <laughs> yes. That's that's one thing that was having me stuck when I was uh, hanging out over there. Like people were like speaking better English than me and I was like, "What the fuck is this? How do you spell this?" and I'd be like, "I don't know." <laughs> we, 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 we speak American, dude. Come on. 
<laughs> I don't know. No I class. have a different dialect. I just blame it on the dialect. I'm Southern. <laughs> we spell things differently. Um, but from here, we, you know, one of the last scenes of this this episode is uh, Dion talking to a Westerner in order to take out take out Doctor Elder for for good, is what it seems. And this is where our mystery man from earlier comes back into the episode. You know, enter Espilar. And it's revealed that Espilar has come to Japan seeking a fight with a samurai and knows of Kenshin just by the drawing that they made for him. So this is, the I think, the first person that knows Kenshin on sight like by just seeing his face. Like, do you think he's actually going to get the drop on our boy? Well, so I don't think he recognized him the first time. So the other Westerner, the very well-dressed man, had a little black book. And I'm assuming that is with his store, like major samurai or something of that nature, like his prominent like bingo people. book. Like yeah, like bingo a bingo book. book. Yeah. And he's like, oh, hey, I found your guy you're looking for. And he's like, Hito Kiri Batosai. Okay, that yeah. sounds fun. And then he pulled out that rapier, dude. That thing was fucking nuts. It looked like a corkscrew. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited to see that shit get used. That's going to be so. so hard to go against your sword's just gonna get caught in it yes yes I'm yes yes amped. yeah so i think we're gonna get some good swords fights out of these two um espilar coming from a different continent the other side of the world to, to come box somebody he's got to be correct right like there's no way he's like a, a a fake a fraud no fraud watch so no no, no fraud watch excellent boys i don't think we've had fraud watch really once in this show no uh, what was homeboys in the last arc with the slashes, oh. he wasn't a literal fraud. You're right, but we knew that he wasn't on Fraud Watch. He just sucked. <laughs> he just didn't have what it That's took. What fraud Watch is <laughs> nah. Fraud Watch is like you think they're badass, but they're really not. Okay, well, you know, maybe the first time I watched Kenshin, I thought it was badass. But yeah, this guy is not on Fraud Watch, and that is it for our Kenshin episode. Boom, boom. So, guys, you want to get in some JJK? Alrighty. Let's do it. JJK episode 17 called Thunderclap part two. And Megumi is on his deathbed. So he summons an absolute monster of a Shikigami to deal with Haruda. Then he gets bailed out by our boy Sakuna and another epic fight ensues. So we kind of like just going like crazy on the fights, right? Like back to back to back. Like Shibuya be going hard. Um... But then we start out with uh, Yuji's grandfather on his deathbed. This is when he got told he was a strong kid and that he should try to save people, even if it's just one person. Uh, then we cut to like kind of Megumi explaining his powers, the Ten Shadows techniques. What did y'all think about that though? Like his his whole power system. That's just nuts, dude. I think it's really cool that basically. So how it works is at the beginning when you unlock the power. You're given the two demon dogs that we've seen. And then to unlock other Shikigami, you have to battle them, defeat them, and subjugate them to your will. So this like reminded me of like Final Fantasy. Like, I think it was Final Fantasy X, you did it a lot, where you had to go fight like these badass summons, and you couldn't use them until you defeated them. And it's very similar to this. And like the Shikigami he summoned looks straight out of fucking Final Fantasy. So I was geeking out this whole episode. 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool technique. Like, uh, I think most of the, the techniques we've seen in JJK, it's it's like they can just use them and they have to get better at them. Where Mega Me literally has to level up by himself and then unlock a new one. So I thought that was a cool change up. And the, and the fact that there's like 10 different levels is pretty dope. So they, so if he gets multiple people in there, he can't like claim the uh claim the shadow or whatever so what they were saying was like okay so there's a certain ritual he has to do to defeat each one and he has to subjugate them within that ritual he can add people to it i guess to like practice fighting them but if they beat it together while there's somebody another human in the ritual it gets voided Hmm. okay that's interesting okay yeah, so the reason he did that is by having Haruta involved in the ritual. Basically, if Megumi died, the Shikigami wouldn't disappear until Haruta died. Mm, okay. so basically, he was bringing out the trump card like, hey, boys, I'm dead. And yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we was kind of wondering what Har- Haruta would be scared of. You know, back in the last episode, and this is why. This is why he was scared. Yeah, holy fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, I would have been terrified, bro. I might have wet myself. That the, he's fucking huge. He's got fucking wings for eyes. Nah, bro. Not yeah. for me. He's like, wake up, Magooby. Yeah, I'd be saying wake up too, bro. So, um, then we get into like a little bit deeper uh, about this whole situation. And it's like a flashback of Gojo telling Megumi that the leaders of the Gojo and Zenin clans once killed each other using the same abilities that uh, Megumi is using right now. And, you know, I I once, you know, kind of asked why Gojo and the Zenin clan didn't really get along. Um, I guess this kind of answers that question right now. you know they was like they was just they've always been fighting each other i guess for the top spot but still they're on the same side so you would think that they would unite under um bigger you know bigger incidents like this so yeah definitely i can agree with that and i think it's interesting because this really laid out how powerful megumi's ability is because like if that motherfucker can take down limitless gojo shit man that is a strong ability right and so what i'm so but what i'm confused about is like how you go about doing that um i understand that you have like the the mahora mahora Gaia, whatever um but like outside of that like how do you fight against gojo like a reliability without pretty much killing yourself you know what i'm saying i don't oh, really yeah. understand how you get that powerful i well, think so the same way that Megumi included Haruta in this ritual, I think that the previous uh, Ten Shadows technique user must have included the previous Limitless user, and basically said, "We're both going down, buddy. This it's game over. Like you're not beating this thing." Sure. So like, but are you really stronger? You know, are you really stronger than them? Like you're gonna die too. It's it's a suicide bomb. I don't count that as you being as strong. Like you just have a fucking trump card. It's not even a trump card, bro. Like it's it's like. <laughs> It's like it's a suicide mission. Like that, I don't consider that strength. Like you have a lot of potential for destruction, but like you can do it one time. Well, like what if what if like he was able to capture? Like what if he was able to defeat it and actually make it his own? Then he would truly be 
able to draw on it anytime he wanted to, right? And so Bro. he would truly be strong without killing himself. Except, yeah, I agree with that. Except you ain't subjugating Maharaga. <laughs> Literally, no <laughs> one has done it in, in JJK history. Yeah. The the thing I want to touch on though, yeah. right here, is that um, uh, do we think that they, that uh, Gojo clan member back in the day was as strong as Gojo, or do you think Gojo is like surpassing that of his ancestors that had the same abilities as him? You know what I mean? I'm gonna say no, because like we hear Sukuna reference, you know, the the sources from a thousand plus years ago. And he's like, yeah, like these are like little kids compared to them. I don't know if it was like the the average strength was much higher or if like everybody was just like scaled up and was like on another level back then. But I think yeah. they were probably stronger. Yeah, I would say stronger, if not as strong as Gojo. And I mean, like during the first arc of season two, um, they do mention that purple had been used in the past. It was just a it was a Gojo clan secret. So people have done it in the past. And I'm assuming if this guy's going up against Maharaga, he probably was a fucking badass. So okay. Um yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. What y'all thought about, you know, Gojo compared to back then, uh the six eyes or whatever. So um but Sukuna kind of shows up and saves Haruda in order to keep the ritual going because it's really the only way to save Megumi, apparently. Um, and he tells Megumi, he's like, you know, you can't die yet because I have a job for job for you. I got, I got, to I got to uh, you got to be here so I can use you for something. Uh, do we have any kind of thoughts on what that could be? Uh, what he would need him for? So I'm going off the deep end here. I think Sukuna is going to try and take over Megumi's body and his techniques. Or since we found out he can copy curse techniques, maybe he's going to try and copy the 10 shadows. But he might need the user there to copy his techniques. Are, are we sure Sukuna can copy techniques? Are we sure about that? Mm. I, think I don't think that's true. I think based on the last episode, that's what they alluded to. I would say I think he, Dan's. I mean, I, I agree with Dan on that part. They kind of they they put it out there for us to think about. So at least, yeah, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think I have a theory. I don't. I'll, I'll wait to the end because it, it comes up again. Okay. Um, but uh, then we get on to you know, Sukuna must beat this Mar Maharaga in order to nullify the ritual, which would and and. Doing so, it would save Megumi's life, basically. Um, and now we just get into the fight. And like we always tell people, you know, uh, it's just better to go watch this shit because this is one of the, you know, better, in my opinion, uh, better fights of JJK. And it seems like I'm saying this quite often here recently. So, uh, yeah. I literally had to watch this three times to actually <laughs> grasp what happened in some parts so yeah good luck to us trying to explain what happened i'm not even gonna give it a shot just go watch it please shit i got a couple for him i put this shit in slow-mo for the boys um <laughs> no, just like oh, after like the initial clash and like sukuna going to get literal popcorn and put a lid on his drink which i thought was nuts bro was in a movie theater I was like oh this it's time for a snack i know i'm in a, like a do or die situation 
but I thought like my favorite part of like the whole thing was we got some like great like interactions like um Mahogura like literally breaststroking up a building while Sukuna's back flipping up it. That shit was nuts. Bro was breaststroking through a building like it was water. That shit was crazy, bro. That shit was crazy. Um, I thought Sukuna was about to get cooked. Typically, I mean, maybe not beaten, but like cooked a little bit. I thought it was going to be a real challenge for him. Definitely. Go ahead. Definitely more of a challenge than old Volcano Head was. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) R.I.P. to the goat. Sorry, I mean, the joke, the joke, the joke, because his name's Jogo, not Gojo. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing though. Like I, you know, I was like, uh, you know, he he might have a possibility of like getting worked on right now. But then the popcorn thing happened. I was like, Bro's not taking this shit serious at all. He's like playing right now still. So it was uh, it was fun. Yeah, but uh, Morgawa like. Morgaha, Doug, didn't appreciate that and immediately palmed his head and started throwing him, well, and I guess sliding him down the side of a building. That's when I was like, you know what, maybe Sukuna needs to fucking, you know, get a little serious here. Because how many times do we see somebody's head get palmed and they win the fight? Uh, Not many none, times, huh? None. none. <laughs> I'm trying to think back if Goku ever got palmed in the head. He, he has. always wins. Well, yeah, he wins. Gohan, that shit used to happen all the time when he was little. And he was always getting work. You know, I thought it was just more the same. True. But was there any more moments from this fight that you guys want to talk about before the domain expansion? Uh, so one that really stood out to me was when Maharaga went in with his crazy-ass sword hand. And mm-hmm. Sukuna literally caught it by creating another mouth, one of those creepy little Sukuna mouths on his neck and caught the blade and shattered it. That shit was insane, dude. Throat goat. Pause. Dude, what'd you say? <laughs> throat, uh, the throat joke. Bro, I know we just watched Food Wars uh, this weekend, but... Sorry, the, the tentacle goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had to throw it out there. I'm just fucking around. Yeah, I mean, he ain't gonna lose his head today. You know what I mean? He's like, nah, sir. We ain't doing this shit, so. Uh, uh, he was smiling while he did it. That shit was nuts. Yeah, I mean, he's having the best time of his life right now, you know? He's like, this shit is so fun. I just I just got, I just pieced up Jogo. And I uh, had one of my best times of my life, and now I'm having even more fun. I'm actually being challenged right now. So, uh, but yeah, uh, but one of the things that like um, I kind of liked was that he was like just sitting crisscross applesauce on a streetlight while uh, you know this thing was throwing uh, buildings and just anything he could at him really, and. Like at this moment, I was like, I think Sukuna is like kind of amused. Like he's just sitting there, like thinking, just watching, watching what he can actually do. Like, okay, this is this is uh, fun. This is amusing. So, yeah, Dude. I mean, I mean, Moharaga like literally was like down throwing a whole fucking building. <laughs> and- Bro, there, there were planes, trains, 
and automobiles being like half a whole skyscraper. And I, th- I was going to say that moment too, Tyler, like that was my second favorite moment. Cause like Sukun is like just chilling. Like you said, crisscross applesauce on a, on a, on a, on a uh, signal and just like flicks his hand and like destroys the whole building. Yeah. It. It, his it. pose there is just like, it's just like, it's just like him T posing, you know, that's just like him just sitting there. He's just, just watching the sunset. That's what it reminded me of. He's just watching the sunset right now. Yes. Just fascinated. So. It was nuts, man. Well, you guys want to get uh, cooking it up in the kitchen? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, yeah. So then we get into the, um, you know, domain expansion. Because at this time, uh, Sukuna, I guess, felt like that he was fixing to lose. I believe. And um, so he hits his domain expansion. It is malevolent shrine and there for a, probably a couple of days or maybe a day or two. Um, it actually said malevolent kitchen <laughs> and the uh, <laughs> subtitles for, <laughs> for country road. So we, we was going to talk about it a little bit more, but they finally fixed it. So that was interesting. I need a picture of Sukuna using his domain expansion with a chef hat on. So bad right now. (laughs) I'd be down. And I think the reason he ended up using his domain expansion is because he realized that Maharaga can adapt to his opponents mid-fight. Like, that's how broken his abilities are. And that's the only reason that I think that a Ten Shadows user using this Shikigami could potentially box with Gojo. It's because it would just adapt to all his abilities. So that's why this thing's so broken. Not because it can huck trains, planes, automobiles, buildings, whatever, you know? It's because it can adapt to your opponent. And that's so fucking broken. Yes, yes. I, I just I just wonder how you stay alive or get out of that ritual alive uh, and i wonder if like megami can end the ritual um prior to get getting his shit rocked you know what i'm saying yeah i don't know because if he can that's that now i understand like why you would be considered so powerful because you can just unleash this fucking beast on somebody at any point yeah you might die but whatever you know it's all good high risk <laughs> high reward there's no way that he can just like uh call it off though i think that it's it's Either beat it or be beat, you know, at that point, right? I'd say so. That would make sense. I mean, that's like, if you're going to summon a Shikigami to subjugate them, that ritual has got to have, well, I guess we have the cop-out of having somebody else involved in it. But again, who can take down this thing besides, I guess, somebody (laughs) like Sukuna? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I just wonder, because like he had to subjugate, you know, like eight, eight others. And it's like, did did you like practice enough to where you knew you could beat it and then went in by yourself? I just don't. We just got to figure out what the rest of the rules are. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, a little bit about Sukuna's domain. Um, it actually manifests in the real world instead of needing a barrier. And um, the, the narrator was saying uh, it was truly a divine feat. Uh, basically, it's like a 200 meter radius that has a guaranteed hit effect for uh, cleaves and uh, slashes, basically, I believe. Um, But at this time, uh, he only uh, expands it to 140 meters because Megumi would have been in that 200-meter radius, and he doesn't want to kill Megumi. So um, uh, 
you know, because he's got other plans for him. All this fighting would have been for nothing if he just killed uh, Megumi and his little dom- domain expansion, right? True. Uh, imagine being boys with Tsukuna. I'm at a switch size already. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'll, I'll bow down to Tsukuna if it means I'm not getting sliced up into nothing. Yeah, I'll fuck with it. I mean, some popcorn. other people bowed down to him too, and look where it got them. So, but um, basically, who could have finished the job with Fuga, uh, the fire arrow that he used with uh, uh, Jogo? And the reason why he did this was because, um, uh, you know, we said that the Shikigami was she could uh, he he could adapt to anything uh, and all that good stuff. So he used something that he didn't know about, I guess, at that time. And he had one shot to do it or he would adapt to it, I guess, is what I got out of it, right? Yes. Yep. So. Yeah, you got to one shot kill it with something new or else it'll it'll adapt. Uh, But like going back to what I was saying about like the fire that Sukuna uses for the arrow. So we we they mentioned that inside of Sukuna's domain is pretty much like an infinite amount of uh, cleaves that are happening at everywhere inside of that domain. And if you guys notice, like uh, there there was a uh, like some railing and other things that were like heating up and pretty much melting as they were getting cut up. And I'm thinking maybe he's doing that and generating heat by doing that with the air over and over and over. And it's causing flames. And that's how he kind of throws this arrow of flames. Instead of actually copying Jogo's technique. Because mm. there's nothing about slicing that, that that makes me think he can use fire otherwise. You know what I'm saying? Might be a stretch, but I just don't think he can copy techniques. I just don't, I don't think he's like unleashed his real technique yet. You know, I think that's what it is. Or if he has, we just don't know it yet. Like... Because, I mean, there's a scene in the last episode where Jogo is like, I thought your ability was slashing and cutting. And Sukuna basically goes like, bro, you've been you've been trying to revive me for how long? You don't even know my shit. Right. So, like, I definitely think there's something else to it. Understood. Understood. That's fair. Well, uh, we ain't getting to see it anytime soon because this fight took a lot out of Sukuna. And, um, you know... Uh, to finish off the episode, he kind of goes and grabs Megumi and, you know, brings him to Shoko and them uh, so that he can, that she can heal him. And then he kind of goes to, like, the area where he created the most destruction and just kind of drops his body off there. Uh, You know, uh, Itadori's body off, basically, and just let's him switch back. Um, so that was kind of the final moment. Uh, do you think this is going to affect, like what kind of effect do you think this is going to have on either Dory? Honestly, <laughs> poor <laughs> bastard, dude. <laughs> like I was, I was saying before the podcast, I was like, dude, Sukuna is just sitting in whatever little spiritual domain he has inside of Yuji right now, with a fucking thing of popcorn laughing his ass off. Because, like, Yuji is just experiencing pure despair at this point. Yeah. Because, like, he got all his memories, essentially, of what happened, just hit him in the face. And he saw all these people die and all this destruction. Like, I can't even imagine that. My brain would just stop. 
Yeah. I mean, we literally see him throw up and like clawing the ground to the point where his fingers are bleeding. Um, I think UD is going to be on demon time after this. I think he's going to be like much more serious and not as like carefree after this, knowing like what Sukuna can do and like what he's shown him. Um, so that, that's what I think the long term effects are going to be for him. Um, and he, we haven't seen Yuji say he wants anybody to die and telling Sukuna to die right now. I think he is. I think he's about to switch up on us big time. I can definitely agree with that. How did you guys feel about them using the opening song during this scene? Because it seemed kind of out of place to me. Like, it didn't really fit the vibe. I don't know, though. There was a lot of backlash about that on social medias, honestly, um, because everybody thought that it should have been like a a silent, like uh, remorse kind of scene, which it was. And then they just hit hit us with the, uh, was it the ending? I think it was the ending, right? No, it was uh, the opening. It was, it was the, the opening. Uh, okay. But yeah, I I didn't I didn't really care for it. I thought like it shouldn't have been there, but um I mean it just didn't like you said, it didn't fit the vibes. So what about you, Bass? Um I don't think it fit fit the vibes. I'm trying to like think about like maybe what they were going for there. Um but yeah, like I think I, th- I think it just being silent and then like showing Yuji's face and, and everything else would have would have hit a little harder. Yeah, I, the only thing I can think of is so the song basically like it seems kind of like an anthem for the curse side of this story. Kind of like based on the vibes and stuff, maybe just like with Sukuna showing the destruction that the king of curses is capable of doing. Maybe they thought it was a good fit. But it just kind of took away from the moment for me personally. It did a lot of people, apparently, like I said, apparently, so. Yeah, I remember just, like, watching it the first, my first watch through, and it was just like, okay, why? What the fuck is going on now? Yeah, I was very confused, so. I, I agree with it. I don't know if I would, like, was so mad about it or, it like, took too much away from me, but it yeah. just seemed mis- misplaced a little bit. It didn't, like, ruin the episode by any means. No, God, no, you can't ruin that episode. <laughs> no. no, just gas. <laughs> Um, I guess to finish the episode off, uh, did y'all see uh who who's walking around, bro? Yeah, not oh, yeah. Yeah. I told you he wasn't dead. Now he's just <laughs> I bet he start, wishes he was. He's just gonna start flipping a coin, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really happy that uh he's still alive and kicking it, even though it looks like half of his body is not there, so I don't know how useful he's going to be. I guess we'll see. It's just going to be like, do you want to play a game? Heads or tails? <laughs> God bless. Well, you guys want to get into One Piece? Yes, Let's sir. do it. So next we're going to talk about One Piece 1084. Time to depart. The land of Wano and the Straw Hats. So in the wise words of Brennan, a.k.a. Will Farrell, it's time to say goodbye. This is technically a filler episode, but it was great to see some closure with friends Luffy and the gang have made along the way, going back all the way to Punk Hazard and Zoe. So the episode opened up with the people of Wano just enjoying some like good food, man. And like, are you boys happy to see that Wano is not a third world country anymore? Because I sure am. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy. People can eat again. <laughs> Holy shit! There's nobody eating smile fruits. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is ideal. Hey, we needed some closure. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely after uh, two months of uh, the fight being over, <laughs> we needed something. So, G- give me the next island. Inject that shit into my veins. <laughs> <laughs> but so after that, we find Luffy at the ruins of Curie Castle, where Odin's grave was. If you guys remember, the mountain had been absolutely blown away by a good old blast breath from our fallen friend Kaido. A group of samurai and some some of the straw hats join Luffy as they pay their respects to Odin and let him know they fucking won, baby. Um, I really liked how they added this scene. Uh, this is anime exclusive, so this wasn't in the manga. Um, I just thought it again, it just like this whole episode is about bringing closure. And I like the way that they tied a lot of things up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm, I enjoyed this, even though it was kind of like a filler episode. Uh, just having a good time. Uh, now we know that I think next week is, we're actually going to be out of here. So let's yeah. go. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the for the next phase of the story. <laughs> um, it, like, like you guys are saying, it, it was good to get some closure. Um, I think if like they would have left without a lot of what they did in this episode, it would feel a little incomplete to me. Uh, saying goodbye, talking to you know people like Otama, it was it was really good to see. It was some really heartwarming moments. Definitely. And did you guys notice that Kiku said that Odin, Ashra, and Izo are at Sniper Island? Did they? She I said did not notice that. She said they're in their, they're in they're in her heart. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh my god! <laughs> I, like, I didn't see shit about that. Bro. Yeah, nah. I would have definitely picked up on that <laughs> shit. Sniper Islands in your heart, bro. That's where it they're is. chilling now. They're it chilling with the Sniper King. Go the Usa, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, Carrot shows up and they say their goodbyes to the Straw Hats again. The Straw Hats inform them that they're leaving the island. And I was really glad they added this Carrot scene because she's been around for a fucking long time now, man. And she was so heavily involved in like the whole Cake Island and arc and everything like that. So it was good to see a few more guard shoes for the for the long time, you know. <laughs> it really brings you back, you know, when Garchu got, first got uh, introduced into, uh, you know, San- Sanji, you know, especially the Garchu Sanji version. So uh, <laughs> brought back some memories. Uh, yeah, I definitely forgot about the Garchus. I completely <laughs> forgot that was a thing. Yeah, it was nice to see. So from there, we go to Zoro, and he's hanging out at Pedro and Yasui's graves. And I really respect Zoro pouring a little out from the for the homies. Just got to respect that, man. And Hiori mm-hmm. and Toko join him at the grave. And there was a scene here that I thought was really funny. So during this whole thing, Hiori is like, I'll miss you to Zoro. And he just looks at her, and she's looking down at Edma, and he's like, you can't have that back. You can't have that back. <laughs> you said it was mine. <laughs> Straight to the point, bro. I love it. And I was just cracking up. I'm like, dude, she's laying it on, and you're just not even noticing, you oblivious idiot. You could be a king. You could take Momo's spot if you marry the princess, bro. Think about it. <laughs> no. He, he is king right now. King of hell, bro. You're right. Get it right. <laughs> You're right, but um, did you like how Zoro told Hiori that Kaido felt Odin's presence in the sword, like while they were fighting? Because I thought that was pretty cool, just to let her know how much her dad like affected Kaido and that he did give it his best shot. You know? Yeah, I thought that was a good good bit of uh, it was a good thing to tell her because we got to see that, but she didn't. So to turn around and, and like, yeah, your, your dad was 
Your dad's presence was on the battlefield with me. That was dope. And your dad's that guy. Mm-hmm. She mastered I mean, this. She knew that. Man, come on, man. She mastered this thing. And uh, that Hiori Zoro ship's looking pretty strong, eh, Tyler? I know that's right up your alley. <laughs> well, normally, you know, I would, I would ship it, but um, I, you know, I'm shipping, I'm shipping Zoro, uh, sticking with the ship. So, you know. Not staying with staying in Wano unless Hiori gets to come along with us, you know. Well, I mean, no, no, I mean like down the line, like he's got to finish his journey. But the boy's got to retire sometime. The journey, yeah. the journey ain't never over, bro. It better <laughs> fucking be where <laughs> the journey is. Look at, I mean, it's just never over, bro. Uh, so, damn, dude. You know, Dude. now you got me thinking about the ending of One Piece, bro, and like how empty I'm gonna feel. <laughs> I just got sorry. really sad off that shit. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Fuck, bro. Late night sad there, boy hours. <laughs> yeah, no sad boy hours here. We're on our bullshit. <laughs> so from there, we bounce around again to yet another goodbye. And this time it's Frankie and his boss man, I'm gonna call him that little short uh craftsman guy. And I loved this scene because Frankie fixed up the Sunny and he asked his boss to look over it. And his boss is just pissed. He's like, why the, this is perfect. Why couldn't you have done this in all the houses you, I built with you, bro? Like, come on, man. Like you're good at your job. And he just ran <laughs> off crying. Frankie's crying. It was touching. This whole episode was just touching, man. I, I really did enjoy that little scene. Like he didn't even like want to cry in front of him. So his training is complete. Like, bro, he showed up like this. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this man built this beautiful boat, boat you're on. You know he's got it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we go to Usopp at a fabric store. And this was some great comedy. Um, So Usopp is just like, basically the owner of the shop is pulling different fabrics out and like putting it against Usopp. Like, is this what you're looking for? And Usopp is just imagining himself in these elaborate outfits made with this fine like cloth and which one is your favorite were you guys going for the most handsome man in wano in the black or the lady killer in red no nah, it was all black for me dog I th- bro, I think bro was so. stunting yeah. in the black yeah. yeah the black went hard and i feel like usopp trying to wear red is kind of a <laughs> swagger jacket your captain and you've been trying to do that this whole time captain usopp like stay in your lane buddy yeah, but we did did see he's gonna get the finest black cloths. Um, I can't wait to. I hope it's for some drip or at least a little drip because Usopp usually comes hard with his fits. So I had a different idea. I think he's making a big ass straw hat flag for a Wano to let him know that's so Luffy's too. domain. I think so too, but I just want a little drip at my man. Us- Usopp's always drippy, dude. Come on, facts. Yeah, I'm with Dan on this one. Definitely a big flag, you know. Bardo out here, you know, putting flags everywhere. So I feel like Usopp's got to put one, right? Or does the Sunny, this is the Sunny's flag uh, damaged? Maybe they need to update that, you know? Well, I don't I think, think so. I think we know it's going to be a Jolly Roger of some sort. Yeah. Um, I think but so. It would, it would make sense to put a flag up and, and, and claim this is Luffy's territory to keep people from just like pulling up on it whenever. Yeah, you got the flag of a Yonko. You don't get fucked with. No. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and from there we go to Sobasanji working his soba cart, and this made me kind of hungry. 
I think I need some soba in my life very soon. And the pink-haired geisha from Onigashima is back, and she was like getting some geisha lessons, I guess. Like she was dancing, I don't know. But she heard the soba card outside and got really excited. And her and our boy Chuji, the little mouse, come out and they're talking to Sanji. And I felt like she was about to like lay down some lay down some facts, if you know what I'm saying. And thank God Robin and Brooke showed up because if Sanji heard that, his nosebleed would have put him in the moon. <laughs> he might have died. He might have died. <laughs> he might have, he you know, left a crew again, you know? <laughs> hey, man, at least this one doesn't have three eyes. <laughs> Hey, pudding was cooking, bro. Don't even cap. <laughs> <laughs> do you even? Yeah, you cook pudding, right? Yeah, you do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never made pudding. Uh, and from there, we get a really another really heartfelt scene with Luffy saying goodbye to Tama over a bowl of red bean soup. And Tama brings up that she's sad that everyone she loves ends up leaving. And she brings up Ace and Luffy. And Luffy comes back saying, like, I'll never forget the rice you gave me. And she comes back like, I'll never forget the memories you gave me. And Luffy promises to see her again and basically walks away after that. And I really like this scene. When it had Luffy walking away and you just saw Ace in his place walking away and then it flashed back to Luffy. Cause like, I feel like Luffy is at such a higher level than Ace now, but having them in that same like scene was really touching to me, I guess, you know? Yeah. Not gonna, not gonna lie. I, I cried during this episode. I mean, this scene, so you cried during filler. Yeah. I mean, this was a <laughs> damn, very damn, sad moment. Pull my, pull up <laughs> the filler tears are deep, dude. <laughs> Tama, man, she just brings it out, you know? I yeah. feel that. She has such a hard life. Yeah. She she has. Uh, my favorite part of that scene was actually when Luffy was like, like, you gave me your rice and just like looked into, you know, Otama's eyes. Because uh, we hardly see, you know, Luffy get that serious with his friends. And like, she like almost started crying and then he just started smiling and laughing. I was like, that that's it right there. She needed mm. to hear that. I will never forget you. Definitely, man. And then uh, we're back to the present. And a big shout out to the One Piece narrator. Because if he didn't say, we would have had no idea. Right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Straw Hats are ready to set sail. And they start talking. They're like, you know, why didn't we say goodbye to Kinemon and Mom Momonosuke? And before that, Luffy says, before they take off, Luffy says, don't worry, he'll come. And the episode ends. So you think they're going to pull like an Alabasta with this goodbye again and just like shove off and not tell any, like not tell like their two best friends from this whole like literally 500 episodes of like, you know, One Piece. No shot. No <laughs> shot that happens. Like he said, he's no, he knows they're going to show up. Um, That would be some straight fuckboy shit if they pulled off, you know? Bro, that's just kind of how they operate, though. Bro, Vivi couldn't fly. Momo can fly, so that's true. Get that legendary chase down badge now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I, I I feel like Momo's gonna you know show up and just uh, you know say hi to him. So as they're leaving in dragon form, probably. 
I can agree with that. That would be cool. Especially because that was what the uh, trailer at the end was. Oh, was it? I didn't even watch it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. It's one piece. They spoil half the next episode because the episodes have like two things in them. <laughs> well, it's good to know that I'm actually right on one thing. GG's. Well played. Proud, proud of you. <laughs> Growing up right before our eyes pass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it, boys. I'm working on it. <sighs> But yeah, so even though that was like a filler episode, like I really liked it. How did you guys feel about it? Top tier filler. For sure. I mean, One Piece knows how to do the filler, you know. Uh they don't they don't really play around. It actually feels like a normal part of the uh world and uh story whereas, you know, most things, you know, we get like a a beach episode or we just go to a ho- totally different like scenario or thing you know what i mean that doesn't really pertain to anything that's going on so like naruto when they do flashbacks to stuff that didn't happen and they change the entire story with their filler arcs and make it trash yeah something like that (laughs) (laughs) he said yeah he said yeah folks write that down coming from the one that watched you know uh all the filler on the first uh go through uh i was so confused a lot of it but back then i didn't really know what filler was so Mm. I was like, wait, what just happened? We was right here. We were supposed to pull up to the, uh, you know, modern them, and now we're on a freaking uh, island picking flowers. So. Yeah. Yeah. And Naruto has friends as a child. What the <laughs> fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> Where's this twing at, bro? Do, do, do. Do, do, do. But. To, to close One Piece, are you guys excited to get off this formerly godforsaken island? Because I sure am. I'm ready for the next. Next up, please. Like you said, don't even know, dude. This next arc is nuts. It's been two months since we've seen the end of the five, bro. Literally, it's been seven <laughs> weeks, bro. Seven weeks since we've seen the end of this, uh, you know, Kaido and Luffy fight. So um, I'm ready. Yeah, whatever happened to having a, a a nice little celebration and getting the fuck out of Dodge? I, Damn I it. feel like I feel like every rundown we've done in the last seven weeks, I think we follow it up with. It looks like next week we're gonna be setting sail, and, and here we are, seven weeks later. It looks like next week we're actually gonna be setting sail, guys. We're not lying. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we really hope you enjoyed this week's weekly rundown. Uh, if you have any questions or topics, I've said this a million times, and I have not seen a single one of you guys come in and tell me to talk about something, especially big old anime titties. So <laughs> one of you, please come tell me to talk about that. I'm a big fan. Just kidding. Uh, join the Discord, linktree.com slash animedgens, and make sure you tune in on Thursday, our Thanksgiving special, because your boy does get to talk about big anime titties, <laughs> and I'm very excited for you guys to hear it. All right, peace. Later.